Today, we're doing a community mailbag show where I answer what's on your mind with marriage and money. Welcome to the Couple Money Podcast, where we're focused on helping spouses get on the same page, dump their debt faster, and get on the path to financial freedom together. Support for this podcast comes from 5 Days to 5K Course. A big headache for many couples in the community is they know what they need to do. They need to knock down this debt or save up for a big goal. The question is, where does this money come from? Budget's tight. So I designed a free week-long course that will show you step-by-step how to find, save, and make some extra money. And it's broken down into manageable chunks because I know we are all busy. You can sign up at couplemoney.com slash 5k. I guess I should have put in the promo also that today's episode is kind of brought by you. Yep, it's the Community Mailbag Show where I go into the questions that you send in. And I appreciate you guys being a part of this. I'm excited. I've brought some experts to tackle these things. But before I get them, I'm always a little nervous because I never know what you guys are going to send in. But today's show has some really good questions and I think a lot in the community can benefit from it. In this episode, we're going to get into the biggest myths and bad advice that's given about credit scores and how you can actually build your credit if you have bad credit or no credit now. The second thing we're going to get into is how do you work together with money when one of you is totally the numbers person, loves the spreadsheets, and the other could not care less about spreadsheets. How do you find that middle ground that you're both happy with? And then finally, how do you do money dates? We've talked about it on the podcast from time to time, but we've had a lot of new listeners come in over the summer. So I want to kind of do a deep dive of how money dates go for us and then how you guys can start doing money dates yourselves. Let's get started. Right, so this first question actually is from several people. I got pinged on this and they're overlapping, so I'm combining it into one. It's about how to build credit and how to increase your credit score. And what's interesting about this is usually when people email me about this, they're telling me that they're thinking of buying a house, maybe they're refinancing a car loan or something like that, and they know enough that a good credit score can help them get a better rate. So I'm bringing in self-lender founder James Garvey to talk about how credit scores work. And then we also get into some of the myths that people have heard and how you can actually build your credit. I've got some bad news for you. Oh, Uh, no. It's it's not, there's no quick fix. There's no silver bullet. It Mm -hmm. is a long game. Yeah. Uh, So just just to take a quick step back about how credit works. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's three credit bureaus. Um, they're not government organizations. They're just companies. Uh, so you know, Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. Mm-hmm. And the way it works is when, when you go and try to uh, open up a credit card, yeah. uh, what happens is you, know, you apply and you say, you know, I work here. Here's mm-hmm. my income. Here's my name. And all that data gets submitted uh, to the bank. 
And then the bank takes that data and usually submits that to, to one of the credit bureaus in order to learn about you. Um, and so what happens is each bureau is building a profile and each one knows who you are. FICO has, has said that there's a couple of factors that are really important. And mm -hmm. the first is, you know, payment history. So payment history is the most important factor in computing your credit score. It's about 35% of your credit score. Wow. And so what that means is what you have to do to have a good credit mm -hmm. score is you have to pay your bills on time and you have to pay them consistently and you have to pay them on time. And so even if you're making a minimum payment to your credit card, that's still better than not paying it. Even if it's a dollar or $2 a month or, or whatever mm -hmm. your minimum payment is, uh, because payment history is so important. And the other thing to understand is the credit bureaus are looking at you for a seven year time slice. So basically, if you make a mistake today, if you don't pay that one bill today and it goes delinquent for 30 days, they're going to, the credit bureaus are going to see that data for the next seven years. I'll, I'll give you a, give you a quick story. So you know, when I, when I got married, um, I, you know, I, I was working for, for a while and you know, I, I sold my company, wanted to take some time off. And, and so my, my wife and I, we, we went to Argentina and, and we were there for about six months taking, a, taking some time off. And, and I thought I had this credit card that was on auto pay. I, I thought I set it up that way when I, yeah. when I left. And it was a card that I never even used. You know, it was, it's some stupid Wells Fargo card that I, you know, I, I rarely used. And I found out, you know, two months into my billing cycle that I didn't have it set up uh, on auto pay. And it, it just really hurt my credit score. Um, and so, you know, you can take it from me and I'm sure you have uh, other people in your community that have the same story. It's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it, it's, it's like trust. Uh, it's mm -hmm. very, uh, it's hard to earn it and it's very easy <laughs> to lose it, right? And it's kind of frustrating because things do happen and there's really no recourse with your credit score. You can't just like send a letter saying, hey, this is the situation. Can you fix that? That's, That's right. Not how that doesn't you... work. Yeah. And if anybody tells you that, they're lying. <laughs> it doesn't yes. work that way. <laughs> yes, that's, that's a scam. Yeah. We don't want that to happen. I know... Um, besides payment history, there's some other factors that are important when it comes to your credit score. You want to maybe yeah. we can chat about some of them? Yeah, absolutely. So there, there's about five components and, and some of the others that are really important mm -hmm. are how much you owe. So that's, that's yeah. a big one. Um, another is uh, the mix of credit. So it, do you have uh, both revolving lines of credit, which are credit cards, Mm -hmm. uh, and you have installment loans, which are auto loans, uh, mortgages, personal mm -hmm. loans. And so having a mix of the two is, is, uh, is important from having a healthy uh, credit score. Uh, and then a couple other things is, you know, thinking about utilization. So on the credit card side, you know, you, you want to have mm -hmm. more credit than you're using. So if, if you've got a credit card that has a $10,000 limit, you know, you want to keep that, that, uh, that amount of debt you have as low as possible. I know that's super obvious, but mm -hmm. you know, the, the way to think about it is the, uh, the people that want to give you credit, they will give you credit when you don't need it. <laughs> and when you do need it, that, that's, that's when, when it's hard, right? So, yeah. you know, what you, you have to do is just try to not use, uh, that credit, you know, as, as much as you can. So, 
Yeah. So definitely advising. If you decide, I know couples, it's a personal choice. If you decide to go with credit cards, pay it off in full. Do not carry a balance. It hurts you. Um, but I kind of want to talk about that because, you know, there's a lot of financial advice out there given about how to raise it. And we already talked about mm-hmm. those scams that say you can do it fast. That's not true. It's, it's a process, especially if you're starting out with no or very low credit. They, I hear time and again, like, oh, is your score low or you don't have any credit? Go open a credit card or open several and you have those lines because you were talking about the mix. That can be very dangerous with a lot of couples who maybe they just got out of credit card debt and they don't want that temptation. Or maybe they're just starting off and they want to establish credit, but they don't have anything yet to their name. So are there any alternatives that could work to get them started with their their credit score and and hopefully building up? Yeah. So if if you're starting from from zero, uh, you know, there's a couple of things you can do. So the first is, you know, if you apply for a credit card and you get accepted and they, they, you know, say, yes, come, come with us. Um, Great. So what I would say is take the card, but just, just don't use it that much. You know, like you should treat it like it's a debit card. You should spend it like it's like, it's, you know, your money in your bank account. And I know it's a hard temptation, but Mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, that's the only way that you're going to be uh, happy and healthy for the next 34 years. You know, it's so, it's so easy to think about, Hey, I'm going to buy that thing today. But uh, you know, putting on your credit card is, is a, can, can be pretty damaging. Um, so if you get rejected though, so if you apply for a credit card and get rejected, you, you really only have a couple options. And so the first is you can get what's called a secured credit card. Mm-hmm. So the way it works is you basically have to put down like a $500 deposit. And it's a deposit that is, um, it's held as like collateral. So we're going to give you a credit card, but it's going to be backed by that cash deposit. So the only time you can use that deposit is if you don't pay your bills. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's not a debit card. So it's a credit card where your cash is being held as collateral. Um, and so the challenge is if you want that money back, if you want your $500 back, you may have to close down the account. And that's, you know, the yeah. incentives are just misaligned there because, you know, you, you want to keep that card open. Um, and so if, if you don't want a secured card or you can't afford a secured, secured card, there's a couple of other options. So the first is uh, some credit unions will, you know, allow you to take a small amount of money and go in the credit union. They'll make you a small loan that's mm-hmm. backed by that cash deposit. So basically like a 12-month loan that's like yeah. backed by your $500. So that, that's sometimes called a credit builder loan or a sh- uh, saving secured loan or a shared secured loan. The, the last way is, is with self-lender. And I'll just, just mm-hmm. tell you that. Yeah. So the, basically, um, it's, you know, self-lender, it's like a savings plan that builds credit. Uh, we've partnered with a couple of banks. And the idea is that we're going to make you a small loan that goes into a CD. So it's a mm-hmm. loan that you have to save. But because it's a loan, you have to repay it over time. And as you repay it, that act of repaying is how you build credit. So after the end of the term, you paid off your loan and then your CD unlocks. So like, you know, just concrete example, you make these monthly payments, your payments are reported to the credit bureaus. And then after 12 months, you get most of your money back. This is the way, okay. the way to think about it. Yeah. Um, so that, that fascinated me. I know when I first heard it, I was like, 
why didn't anyone think about that before? That's such an ingenious idea. So like, to be clear, of course, you know, there's, when you sign up, there's a, it was a small fee I saw, but Mm -hmm. I mean, you basically getting two wins out of this, you're building your credit and then you have money that you get back. You know, you can save what I saw, like a plan for a thousand dollars and your credit score will go up. If you're, you know, along with your other bills, you're making those payments on time and you're doing that. So I'm kind of curious, like what motivated you to create this? Yeah. 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 And it, it came from a very personal need. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, after Argentina, <laughs> the fiasco of my credit card, um, I, I, it really hurt my credit score. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a software engineer by trade. Um, you know, my, uh, my, my wife and I were figuring out like, okay, well, how, how do we, how do we build credit? What do we need to do? And how do we, you know, fix this issue? And so the bottom line is I screwed up. Like it's not going to go off my credit report until seven years later. So there's nothing I can do to remove that because mm-hmm. I made the mistake now. But what I can do though, is that I can build new payment history and I can, yeah. uh, you know, try to show the credit bureaus that, Hey, you know, I am doing everything right. And, uh, you know, it's a one-time mistake. So basically, uh, it came from a very personal need. And the, the thing that's frustrating is, uh, you know, I'm sure, sure you saw a couple months ago where bank of America, you know, they're charging people $12 a month for a checking account. You know, if you have yeah. a certain, if you have less than a certain balance, they're going to start charging you that. And the reality is there's a systemic problem mm-hmm. with our banking system today because banks are, are, are really focused on just like the 1% of consumers um, because it, they, they make the most money for them. It's, it's easy um, and there's fewer customers. And so basically, um, uh, you know, a bank would much rather have one customer who has a million dollars then have a thousand customers with a thousand dollars is the short story right so um, we had to build all that software behind the scenes so that we can open these accounts and service them and have the automated you can do it inside of an app and really simple easy um, and so you know that that's the the origin story of self-funder anyone's listening and they want to find out more about self-lender and perhaps even use it where can they go so you can go to selflender.com and we've got four different uh, price points and starting from $25 a month up to $150 a month. It just depends on how much you want to save and, and, uh, and you know, whatever meets your budget. If you need to build up your credit and you're looking to increase your score, please check out Selflender. I love what they're doing here. I get frustrated when I hear advice such as open some lines of credit just so you can increase your credit score. I'd love to point you in directions of where people are showing ways that you can do something smart with your money, save some money, and then also take care of something that you need. A lot of people want to have a better credit score to get those better rates. So self-lender is an option out there that you guys have now that wasn't there a few years ago. Now, our next question is something that I've gotten in the Thriving Families community over at Facebook, and then also with email, which is how to talk with your spouse when you're financially opposite. We talked a little bit about that last week. Now we're going to go and hear another family and their take and how they approach things. Sometimes you'll have one of us 
in the relationship who is hardcore into the spreadsheets and then the other one, uh, not so much. So how do you open that door? How do you start that conversation and move forward together with whatever goal you have? It could be dumping debt. It could be saving for a house or saving for a baby or starting a business. How do you get on the same page? The Lows are going to be helping out with that. They have an amazing story and a new book coming out, Your Money, Your Marriage. I think you enjoy it. You've paid off in four years over $127,000 of debt. Is that correct? Correct. $127,482.30. When you slay a debt dragon like that, you know it down to the penny. Oh, I love this. I love this. You have different personalities, but you come across as like focused together on your finances. Now, I'm guessing that wasn't there from day one or was that? <laughs> we, we were equally unfocused. If that's Okay, okay that's good. You got common ground there. <laughs> yes, we made plenty of mistakes together to begin with. And then we began to make some right choices together after that. But it was definitely a step-by-step process. And I think for anybody who feels frustrated or overwhelmed with their spouse or just feels like can't get on the same page together, we want to tell you there is hope. And that is our joy is to coach couples toward that hope to begin to move together because improvement requires movement. And that's one of the phrases that we use in um, Your Money, Your Marriage. And we're so excited to just really help couples to latch on to some key areas where they can improve together. You guys talk about working together as a team to create a system that reflects your values, reflects your personalities. That's something that's big in my community. We talk about finding what your why is. Every couple is different. We have our own, I guess you can say DNA with how we approach things and how we do things. So I got a question in the community that I think you guys are going to be the perfect people to answer. It is coming up with a way to handle finances without fighting, with, without, I guess you could say sometimes there's this fear of control, you know, um, you come into a marriage, you're, you're ready to get things situated, but how do you find that balance? Maybe one of you is like the numbers person, the go-to person for budgets. Like you love coupons and the other one, maybe not so organized, but you still want to be a part of this. So do you have any tips or advice on how to get that started and how to find the system that works for you? Well, I'd start with um, being very intentional about how we talk about money around Mm -hmm. one another. And I think there's a huge temptation to label each other, to say, Mm -hmm. well, I'm the spender and he's the saver. And sometimes that can lead us into dangerous territory where we either excuse our own behavior or we um, begin to set expectations for the other person that maybe aren't the best expectations for them. And so avoiding name calling and labeling each other is very, very important. It might not seem like such a big deal on the surface because we laugh it off sometimes. You know, before we started paying off debt, actually two years prior to when we began paying off debt, I had actually pitched the vision of paying off debt to Sherry. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it so well. Uh, and, and we learned a lot from that. And uh, oftentimes, the, what, 
what I tell folks is I had this beautiful idea, but I, I served it up on a trash can lid. Mm. And so instead of beginning with love, what I did was I said, well, here's what we're going to do. Uh, that that did nothing right. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that long ago. Uh, so so yeah. So yeah, ten years ago. Wow, it's been a while. Uh, but instead, uh, you know, begin every conversation in love. Because remember, you love your spouse more than you love the budget. You love your spouse more than you love money. Uh, that's uh, that's just where we're at, and you have to begin those conversations in love, and you have to communicate and really listen to the other person this happen kind of on on both sides but something i've seen is a very proactive spouse either they discovered dave ramsey susie orman some, you know some financial guru and they realized you know what we got to get rid of this debt and they're 100 and like you you know they got this great idea but the way they present it is like hey i created this budget without any input or actually a reflection of who they are currently. Have you seen that with couples? Sometimes like the couple that's known for eating out, they spend $500 a month just eating out. And all of a sudden one of them goes, oh, let's cut it down to 50 because, you know, this will get us out of debt in like two years. <laughs> right. That's going to lead nowhere good very, very quickly. You have to set realistic expectations and make changes that are small over a long period of time rather than trying to make that dramatic shift because we know anytime we make a dramatic shift, whether that's in how we discipline our kids or how we eat and exercise, whatever it is, that if we go too hard, too fast, we'll fail. And so we're always looking for ways that we can make small changes and stick to them over time rather than dramatically turning our worlds upside down and making us both a grumpy mess in the meantime. There are things when, uh, during during our journey when we were slaying off debt, there are things that we did in year four that we would have said that you were crazy if you told us that we were going to do that when uh, mm -hmm. we began. So, so yeah, small changes incrementally over time. I love your book. It's coming out this week. So where can they get it? Well, you should be able to get it anywhere where books are sold. Obviously, Amazon, ChristianBook.com, Barnes & Noble. Uh, most major book retailers are going to have the book. Uh, but yeah, we, we should have links on the side on YourMoneyYourMarriage.com where you can find a retailer near you. And there are also lots of great book bonuses that are exclusive to people oh, who nice. purchase the book. Yeah, so you'll find some um, money chat conversation starters and some different um, budget forms and things to really practically help you in your journey. I got an early copy of Your Money and Your Marriage. It's a great read, guys. Sherry and Brian really break down how you can work as a team with your finances. And if you guys are in the middle of paying off massive amounts of debt and you don't feel like you can do it, they have their first book, Slaying the Debt Dragon, as well. That is a fun read and it's very encouraging because I know sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it does not feel like there's any light at the end of the tunnel. So you can grab that on Amazon or wherever you like it. I'll have it in the show notes. Now, this last question is kind of tied to that, working on your money and your marriage. And this one comes from Adam. So Adam, thank you for sending this in. This is about money dates. 
You may have heard of it. We talk about it from time to time on the podcast, but I want to get into a deep dive because after Adam had asked us, I saw a situation where someone was thinking they were doing a money date, but was not. So first of all, let me talk about the goal of a money date, because I think some people think this is bring out your spreadsheets night. It is not. A money date is, first of all, a date. It's a time for the two of you to connect in a relaxed setting. For a lot of us, it's going out, kind of change the scenery. But some of you, and we've done it as well, when you can't get out of the house, but you still want a date, you go outside, we have the fire pit, we relax, have some drinks, talk about what's going on. I think too many times as couples, we kind of get this tunnel vision, we're in the middle of things, and we forget, like, what are we doing and why are we doing this? So a money date is a regular get-together. For us, we like to do it monthly, we review the budget real quick. For others, it might be a smaller date in the sense that you just check in 15 minutes, 10 minutes every week, just to make sure the money is moving in the right direction. And so let me tell you the basic structure of a money date and then how things have changed and shifted for us. So with us, a money date, we want it to be encouraging. And if you picked up my book, Jumpstart Your Marriage and Your Money, I kind of lay it out. What we do is we like to start off with wins we have. Now, they can be personal wins we've had during the week, financial, maybe with our careers, but it's an important opportunity for us to cheer each other on. Then we go over the goals we had picked out. Now this is important because for the first money date, I highly suggest and recommend you guys put away the numbers for one night. I know it sounds crazy and probably a little counterintuitive, but this is how you guys win with finances. You put them aside and talk about what do you want to do in the next year, next few years, 10 years from now. What would you like to be saying you've done? Is it trips? Is it buying a house? Is it doing some volunteer work? What matters to you guys? Define it. And then you can start working together and making sure your finances, little by little, moves towards what is most important to you. So after we go over the goals, and it's not a formal thing, guys, we talk about, hey, we have the trip coming up next month for us. How much money do we have in the account? Do we want to do a hotel or we're looking for an Airbnb experience? Talk about those things. And then we go over some of our long-term plans. So one of our big goals, of course, this year is finishing the basement. And we're getting that underway right now. So it's, it's things on time. Is everything going right? Are we sticking with the budget? Now, I don't know about you, But for us, it seems like when we make a plan, some hiccup comes at some point during the process. And that's a part of life. And sometimes we feel like we failed. I think people are shy about going on a budget or having a plan because they say, well, what if something comes up? Guys, that's okay. What we do is we adjust our goals and deadlines. And this happens when we were trying to pay off the last of the student loans. We had a choice. Do we want to pay it off? completely and then have no savings or do we want to go ahead and uh, do it bit by bit it would be an extra few months we talked it over and we decided we were going to do it bit by bit that way both of us would feel comfortable 
And then also realize, even though probably 80, 85% of your budget's the same, right? Your rent or mortgage, your utilities about the same, food, there are a few things that seem to pop up every month that are slightly different. Could be a trip, could be uh, an irregular bill like life insurance payments. If you have kids, kids happen, things come up, school stuff you have to buy. Embrace that and put that as a part of your conversation. And then once we have an idea of what's going on, then if we need to, we pull out the numbers. And no, even though we do have a spreadsheet at home that we like to keep tabs on, we actually use an app, something like Personal Capital, Mint, Tiller. Those things visually we can see very quickly how things are going if there's any problem spots. And I will say this, this is where it's been a big shift. When we first started, the numbers were a little bit more. I'd say about like 15, 20 minutes where we're talking about the numbers, but then we're done for the month almost. Now it's even smaller. We're talking about five or 10 minutes because it's such small conversations throughout the month. This check-in is just making sure all the bills are paid, the automated stuff's taken care of. And then afterwards, we plan for the next month. What do we have coming up in the next few weeks? Do we need to cut back because we're going on a trip? Do we need to spend a little bit more now because one of our girls has a school expense? Those are things we just plan ahead for. And of course, it's a date. So once you take care of the finances, drop that and enjoy the rest of your day. Take time together to relax. Well, I hope that helps you guys out. If you have any more questions, you can always shoot me an email. And if you're looking to start your own money dates, please pick up my book, Jumpstart Your Marriage and Your Money. It's a four-week guide on how to get on the same page, dump your debt faster, and get on the path to financial independence. It's based not just on our experience, but other couples I've had on the podcast who have done some extraordinary things together. While every journey is different, there are certain principles that can really give you guys a heads up and a boost when it comes to your relationship and your finances. Before we close up, I want to focus on some key takeaways. The first one is build your credit before you need it. As you heard with the chat with James, there is no overnight quick fix to building credit and increasing your credit score. Big factor is your payment history. That takes time to build up. So if you think you're going to go for a loan soon or down the line next year or so, for example, a mortgage, make sure your credit score is in a good spot if you want to get a competitive rate. Make sure your credit reports are accurate. And start now with getting that improved. Of course, I do not want to put your finances in jeopardy just to increase your credit score. So if you know that credit cards are an issue, do not take them out solely to build your credit. That is a recipe for disaster. It's more important for you to look at your finances long-term holistically than to go for those quick fixes. The second key takeaway is If you want to knock out a big goal like the Lowe's did, knocking out $100,000 of debt, you have to do it with small changes. I've been guilty of this where I think if we can really cut back on things, 
we can get to our goals quicker. But what happens most of the time is that we get frustrated because we can't make that dramatic shift. And then we quit. And then there's no overall progress towards our goal. So sit down, be realistic. If you guys are the couple that eats out constantly, see if you can cut that back 10%, 20%, and then build up from there. I'd rather you reach your goal, take a little bit longer than not reach your goal because you try to do a huge dramatic change. And finally, make money dates a part of your schedule. Hopefully you can see that it is a low stress environment. It's there for you guys, first of all, to relax, to talk, to communicate. That is the key. The finances are simply how are you going to get there if you're planning a trip, if you're saving up for a house, a baby, whatever. The key is what are the goals we're going to tackle and then put your finances there. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be complicated. It does, however, have to be consistent. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like your question to be a part of the next mailbag on the podcast, please send it in to moneyqa at couplemoney.com. I'd love to include it. You can also chat with me and others in our free private community over in Facebook. It's called Thriving Families. You can head over to couplemoney.com slash FB. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I have links in the show notes with all the resources we mentioned today, plus more, including the newly updated Couple Money Toolkit with the best apps to help you to manage your money easier. It's over at our site at Couple Money. And I want to give you a preview for next month. I know a lot of us with work have open enrollment coming up. And with that comes those lovely packets of paper from HR about insurance, investing, all your benefits and options. I want to make it as stress-free as possible. So I've brought some experts and we're going to tackle them one by one. How to make sure you're maximizing the benefits at work so that your money is going towards your goals. So if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Our theme song was written by Gentle Regime. Additional music by Lee Rosevere. And most importantly, thank you so much for listening and sharing your favorite episodes with your friends and family. I truly appreciate it. It helps make those conversations about money less stressful and just a normal part of our day-to-day conversations. I hope you have a fantastic week. Take care. <laughs>